0: Financial advisor Justin Klein.
1: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Friday, December first, twenty twenty three edition. Yeah, it is December. Christmas is just around the corner. The corner. So is Hanukkah. So it's next week. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm excited to help you navigate this new market environment. This these inflationary times. Very different than what most people are used to. This is not the 2010s. This is the 2020s. A very different decade. You can see that we kicked off the 2020s with a pandemic. Massive government spending. Massive fiscal, massive monetary easing. And massive explosion in debt. And inflation. And now interest rates moving higher. So, this isn't a flash in the pan. This is something of a trend and that brings new challenges as well as new opportunities it's not all bad it's just different and so my goal is to give you that perspective and unpack the real-time data that matters matters to your portfolio your risk as well as your opportunity So I'm going to give you my unbiased perspective, Developed over 20 plus years of investment experience. And we're going to talk about the market performance today, as well as run down some show topics. But right after we answer our first caller question now. Hi, Steve, Justin. I'm calling today about, I think it's a bandage, Stillwater
2: water, ticker simple, S-E-S-W. I've owned the stock for quite a while now and hasn't really done much. Actually, at a pretty good loss now. So I'm just looking to do some tax lost selling for the end of the year you can let me know if the stock is worth holding on to at all or if I should just get rid of it and move on to something better.
1: Thank you very much Bye. all right this is a south african miner It has mines in uh gold but also other uh other assets as well. It's the largest miner uh, in Africa and it's oil it's a it's a gold refining uh company as well um so it had earned a bunch of money in 20 let's see 2021 2020 2021 and $3.43 but now this year those only supposed to make 58 cents per share so i think this is a good opportunity to do some tax loss selling and if you want gold exposure go into one that operates uh, much more effectively um, and uh, this would be a good time to do that especially with a lot of those other miners actually performing now all right Thanks for the call. Now, we have a lot of plan for the next 40 minutes. Our main focus point is in regards to this headline. Learn why it's important to retire with purpose. So we're going to talk about planning your retirement and discuss what is known as the PERMA v. Framework. PERMA v. Framework. And we're going to talk about what your life after retirement should look like and how to think about that. And I like this topic because it's not – Retirement isn't always quantitative. You don't live your life to crunch numbers. You live your life for the qualitative factors. So we're going to discuss those qualitative factors in the framework on how to analyze your plan for after retiring or in financial freedom and how you can relate that back to the quantitative side, okay? Okay. Also, we lost a, an icon. Charlie Munger passed away a few days ago. And I don't know if you know this, but he actually persuaded Warren Buffett to shift away from those deep value stocks and focus more on good businesses at a fair price. Probably don't know that. So we're going to look at what that type of strategy means and why it's worked and why what pitfalls are there for that strategy today based on valuation. Also Monday, the Biden administration is convening on a Supply Chain Resilience Council. And it's set to announce 30 actions to improve domestic supply chains. So we're going to discuss that. And lastly... <clears throat> Lastly, we have a new president of Argentina, Javier Malay, I believe that's how you pronounce it. And I want to unpack the history of the economics of Argentina and what that tells us about the future of economic policy, both here and abroad. So that's what's on the docket for me today. Our voice bank questions we are set to get to as well on options trading as well as universal display. And since it's Friday, I will share a brief excerpt of the newest KPP premium newsletter coming up at the halfway point of the podcast. Let's talk about the market performance today. This was another follow-through day of value strongly outperforming growth. It's a pretty interesting kind of close to the year you're starting to see. Talked about those headlines on Monday, all about growth outperforming. And pretty much ever since you see those headlines in the Wall Street Journal and across the internet, it's the exact opposite. And I continue to think this is the trend that's uh, probably going to continue into 2024. And another interesting little tidbit was large caps had drastically outperformed. But that's starting to reverse as well. Small caps up big today. Small cap value up 3.23%. Large cap growth only up 0.64%. The broad small cap index up nearly 3%, 2.85%. Large cap only up 0.79%. On the day mid caps up kind of in the middle 1.68, so you're seeing a resurgence in the small caps on the back of the weaker dollar. Talked before about you know, a weaker dollar is tends to be good for those the domestic producers, their products become more competitive on the global market, it helps the Domestic economy, and so earnings tend to improve, and I think that's what you're saying. The dollar has certainly rolled over this month. Now is on a downtrend. It got a bounce yesterday, but down again today. You have the 10-year yield that did come down 12 and a half basis points today, down to four and a quarter percent, down from five percent just about a month and a half ago. So a pretty big move. For How bad of a bond market you saw from April all the way through. Uh, end of October you've had a very good rally, one of the best rallies in this short period of time in the bond market. So you see that that volatility there's been there've been bond vigil- vigilantes, call it, that have uh, that were pushing bond prices lower and I think there's a lot of short covering uh, happening right now on a pretty clear Fed pause. And that's the market going into the end of the week, uh, we are still in Santa Claus rally mode, and that pretends to likely more upside in through the end of the year, but always could have a pullback next week. Because the market is a bit overbought right now after this move. All right. That about does it for our open. We're gonna move to a short break, but let me remind you about our holiday giveaway contest and we're giving away autographed copies of steve's book above average investing for the average investor it is a no-nonsense beginner's guide to the world of buying and selling stocks and deals with topics in an easy to read style so to enter the contest the rules are simple go subscribe to our youtube channel as well as our invest talk instagram channel and then like our holiday giveaway post you'll see it there at the top and tag three of your friends in the comments and we will choose one winner each day until the end of the year. So follow us on social media and learn more at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open waiting for your questions at 888-99-CHART.
3: When listener questions are played on the Invest Talk podcast, how do
4: you guys determine a value
3: stock. The caller voices are amplified many thousands of times.
2: just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan and BAC.
3: How
1: do you see this uh, looking forward? I'm 25 years old and have a question about retirement funds.
3: And the unbiased answers from Justin Klein.
1: That's why it's trading so cheap, because there's a lot of regulatory risk. And Steve Beasley. I,
2: I kind of like it here. If I was going to buy Tyson food, this is where I'd buy it.
3: Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, eight 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 ninety nine chart.
2: Hey, Stephen, Justin. A question: is Options and platforms. I use ThinkOrSwim for options trading to, I guess, maybe squeeze out a little more fee money to option traders. I'm asking because I look at the fluctuations in real time when I buy options. And if I put an order in for $0.15, cents, for example, I'm watching real time and as soon as I put that order in, it goes to say $0.16 cents, and it, like sits there for a bit and then I cancel it and it'll kind of go back to $0.15 cents as well and then I you know, do the same it goes up again. So it just seems like there's definitely something weird going on where you might almost be trying to squeeze out. A little, a little extra fee. I don't know. Wanted to kind of get your opinion on this because uh, I've, I noticed this uh, pretty much every time I do options trading. Thanks a lot. Love what you guys do, and looking forward to hearing uh, your answers on the show.
1: Okay. Well, first off, options they tend to be fairly illiquid unless you're dealing with the large names. Think of options on big ETFs like the SPY or the Qs or if you're talking about large cap names that a lot of people tend to use options to bet on whether that's Apple or Microsoft or Tesla the you know it's about open interest so the first question i would have is you know what type of companies are you trading options on and what is the open interest is it maybe only a couple dozen contracts? Or are you talking thousands of contracts? Very different in their depth of liquidity there. And then you're probably not paying for that live data. So maybe the data that you're getting, it's free. And with most things in life, free data typically is not that great. It's why when people try to do research using Yahoo Finance... Kind of get what you pay for and you're not paying anything. It's usually not great. So if you really want to have transparency and clarity on bid and ask spreads in the in the options market, you have to pay for that data. And I know Thinkorswim, or now it was TD, now it's Schwab, has the option to pay for that. So you might want to do that. Um, but there's yeah, there's always some. You know, games, I think, that can be played in those illiquid markets and options. So um, overall, I wouldn't be too caught up in it because it's not about those little pennies. It's about having proper strategy. And options strategies are infinitely complex and can be very challenging. Now, let's touch a bit on some key benchmarks for this week. The two-year treasury yield was at 4.55% for for some perspective. Just three weeks ago, we were at 5.05. We dropped 50 basis points. And it just shows you the shift in expectations in the market for Fed policy over the next 12 months or so. Going from... Maybe a potential increase in rates next year to basically two at least two cuts over the next 12 months. The 10-year yield 4.2% at the close. And we were just recently over five or near five. We didn't quite get there, 4.99%. We had gold price, 2071 per ounce. 73 weeks ago is at 18.09. We are breaking above major resistance. Silver as well at 25.46. We're only at 22.23 three weeks ago. And you're starting to get a breakout there as well. So precious metals certainly on the rise. Oil, 74.30 per barrel. Four weeks ago, we were at 80.80 per barrel. And seven weeks ago, $87.44. So certainly a solid pullback on weaker expectations weaker expected economic growth into next year. National average for gasoline, $3.24. That's down from 26 weeks ago, $3.56 per gallon. Here in California, we're at $4.83. Nicely down from that $5.87 just a couple of years ago. All right, we're moving into a break. So give me a call now at 888-99-CHART.
3: objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART.
1: Now my main focus points is set up by this story. Learn why it's important to retire with purpose. So When you're planning your retirement, it's important to look at the qualitative factors, not just the quantitative. We talk about the numbers, how much money you have, how much money you need, how much you're going to spend, what type of income you're going to need to produce, etc. But all that doesn't matter if you aren't using that money to affect your life in a positive way. And... Retirement can be stressful. In fact, it's one of the most stressful events you will go through. Doesn't seem like it. It seems like a happy time, but for a lot of people, it can be stressful. In fact, retiring can boost the risk for heart disease and other medical conditions by 40%. So you need to make sure that your goals and plans for retirement are aligned with some sort of purpose. And aligned with your values in your goals of living a life that makes you happy? Unfortunately, we don't take a lot of time to consider really what will make us happy in retirement. A lot of people want to golf, for example. But then what happens if you get bored with that or you get injured? Where do you relocate your attention? And many people with unmotivating and unsatisfying goals can lead directionless retirements, and nobody wants that. So there is a framework to think about this, and it's called PERMA-V. stands for positive emotion, that's the P, engagement, relationships, meaning, accomplishment, and vitality. So PERMA-V. So positive emotion is are things like gratitude, small pleasures, mindfulness, feeling in control, and hope, optimism. Things that make you feel good. And then engagement. So this is being engrossed in something, whether that is art or a hobby, or sports, or a creative project. Maybe it's work of some kind. Maybe it's you're not working, but maybe you're mentoring, for example. A family member or someone within that field and helping them move their career along. And then R is relationships. That's pretty simple. Strong ties to your friends and family. Some people are more engaged with their friends and their family, and that's okay too. It's just about having those relationships. And then there's meaning. So a connection to something bigger than you. A community, work, maybe it's just simply your family, maybe it's religion. Maybe it's a social cause. Cleaning up the environment or helping underprivileged people of some kind. Then accomplishment. So achieving, looking to achieve something. Become a master at something. Right, I want to get great at X, Y, and Z. And then V, vitality. So simply being engaged in your diet, exercise, and sleep. Things that will keep... The retirement years, healthy. Because as we know, I think we've all gone through periods of poor health. Health is everything. All those other things, it's hard to focus on anything else when you don't feel good. So having a consistent plan there will make those years more fruitful. And so when you go through this framework and you write it down and you become mindful of the things that will make you feel complete, then you can link that back to the financial side. The money you're spending, is it accomplishing those things? Do you need to do Anything, maybe maybe you need to move to somewhere closer to a place that you can be closer to your friends, for example. Maybe you're really tight with a group of friends and you want to spend retirement near those friends, doing things with those friends, and maybe you want to move closer to them. And that's a part of making retirement fulfilling. Or maybe it's family, right? A lot of people do that as well. They move closer to their grandkids. That's common. So have a backup plan too, meaning, okay, I want to go do this. If I'm unable to go do X, Y, and Z, that will help me feel fulfilled. Now I can pivot to doing something else, right? Maybe you can't golf anymore, but you spend your time being active and engaged and going on hikes with friends instead of golfing, for example, maybe volunteering in an animal shelter. I can give you fulfillment as well, things like that. So I, I love this topic because uh, framework is important pretty much in everything in order to focus on what really matters. All right, next Invest Talk, we'll look into the story behind this headline The SEC's data tagging plan will ensnare companies next year. That's on Monday, but for now, I'm Justin Klein, ready to take your calls at 888 99 chart. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's fifty percent off unlimited access to twenty five language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your fifty percent off now at rosettastone dot slash today.
3: Every Invest Talk Podcast is made better by your questions. So don't forget to call. And if you've never called, Justin and Steve are waiting now for your finance and investment questions. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART.
4: Hey, this is Andrew from Atlanta. I was trying to reach out to you guys about universal display. Ticker symbol is O-L-E-D, and um, they're supposed to be a top dog. Anyways, is this a good investment? I'm looking for growth, and I'm trying to see if there a good entry point if you think we have solid fundamentals going on here. So I really appreciate your advice, and I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you.
1: All right, this is Universal Display. They develop and manufacture organic light-emitting diode, or OLED technologies used in displays for smartphones, tablets, televisions, wearables, consumer computers automotive interiors, etc. And these are your kind of high quality displays. You see, I, I have one in my home. So they make good products and, but, but their business is obviously very cyclical, but it does tend to earnings do tend to move higher. Now growth is slowing earnings this year are expected to go down 4% from last year in total, but That's still near an all-time high in earnings, and the price is not near an all-time high. It's at 176. All-time high was early 2021, around 260. The chart is – let me take a look here. It's at a 52-week high, but like I said, still well below that previous high. Let me look at resistance levels here. There's going to be major resistance around the 196 level. You are hitting resistance right now around 176, so it's it's a bit overbought. I definitely wouldn't be buying it here below this resistance level, but I could see it working its way higher uh, over time into that 196 level. But I just don't love the multiple that you're paying for this. Even if, to, even if it makes nearly five dollars per share, like it did, like it's expected to next year, it's at one hundred seventy-six dollars per share. So you're talking a thirty-five multiple. That's a bit too high for my liking. Now the good thing is, no debt, clean balance sheet. Love that. But I'm not bought into paying this level of a premium. I'll pay a premium for the good balance sheet, for a profitability that basically since 2013 has been on average in the mid-teens, which is good. Not amazing, but good. So I like what you're looking at in regards to quality of the business and the balance sheet. I just don't want to pay this multiple, especially after this recent run into resistance. I'd be looking for a more protracted pullback. If you get back into the 130s, it's at 176 now, then you get to levels where, okay, the multiples, fair enough, and I would probably buy it there, but not at 176, all right? Now, the pre- KPP Premium Newsletter was finished today. It will be distributed to subscribers tomorrow morning, and I have a preview. Now, in the marketing conditions section, we explained that in a week, marked by a cautious optimism on Wall Street, the main indices saw modest gains following the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell's latest comments. Powell highlighted the proximity of a key inflation measure to the Fed's 2% target, signaling that U.S. monetary policy is effectively reigning in the economies. Pace amidst this balancing act, he did not rule out the possibility for the tightening if necessary, but the market view estimates of 80 of 61% probability of rate cut by this coming March. Now manufacturing is contracting and it's important to remember that without renewed strength in manufacturing, it is premature to declare the economy is out of the woods yet the broader economy presents a contrasting picture of resilience expanding and revised 5.2% in the third quarter. Charlie Munger passed away at the age of 90. He helped Warren Buff build Berkshire Hathaway into a giant. And Munger famously said, you must value the business to value the stock. In other words, know what you own and look for ways to pay less for what you are buying than what it is worth. And we dig in deeper into the market commentary in The newsletter. We also have stock ideas. One is highlighting an integrated equipment service company focused on heavy construction and industrial equipment. The majority of its revenue is derived from the equipment rentals segment. And we believe that construction services will continue for the next few years despite recessionary forces near term company has extremely strong cash flows and has room to grow with a low P right now, around nine. And we also highlight a company that provides a broad product portfolio of discrete semiconductors and passive electronic components to original equipment manufacturers and distributors. And we see the stock is undervalued with P ratio at eight with low debt. Now we name names in the newsletter and I've given you a simple teaser of the latest KPP premium newsletter. Subscriber Subscribers receive the full edition via email each Saturday. And they also get the portfolio and consumer watch sections as well. And you can subscribe at investtalk.com. Now, let's touch a bit on Charlie Munger. As I just stated, he passed away just a few days ago at the age of 99. And everyone talks about Warren Buffett, but many can argue that Charlie was the brighter mind of the two. In fact, Warren Buffett was always about those deep value plays, but Munger helped convince him that you should actually be buying wonderful businesses at fair prices. That was his quote, meaning quality matters more than cheapness. That quality means consistent earnings growth, solid profit margins, and not too much debt. That these companies are for all seasons, meaning they may grow less in good times, but they don't have the busts in bad times because of strong balance sheets and consistent businesses. And so either way, they prosper. And they don't get hung up on, hey, you know, the SP was up 30% and they were only up 15. They don't go and chase out those faddish stocks. They focus on the quality of the business. Now, the hard part was always finding them at reasonable valuations, right? A fair price. And quality stocks are usually more expensive than low-quality ones. And a lot of people have this problem. They focus too much on low PEs and not enough on high prof. In the real world, markets aren't efficient. And historically there was only a modest premium for the quality names over the lower quality names. But quality stocks help you get rich slowly. They don't have the big up years, typically. But in bad times, those strong balance sheets and regular profits have appeal and money tends to stay with those and leave the names that are struggling. But they can get too expensive, and there were times where that was the case. The 1970s, think of the Nifty Fifty, the late 90s and the dot-com bust, obviously. That was a period where those good businesses were just valued way too much, way too highly. Now, the biggest mistake of Berkshire Hathaway, Coca-Cola, in 98, there was kind of a mini bubble in Coke. It was trading at 50 times earnings. And it took 13 years before it got back to those levels in price. So it goes to show you, even though Coke, quality business, if you pay too much for it, it can be dead money for a decade or more. And high-quality stocks have beaten low-quality stocks as of late as well, with the collapse of SPACs and crypto and clean energy and a lot of these money-losing call them Ponzi economy tech stocks. Think of the Pelotons of the world. So investors are rewarding those high margin quality businesses with much higher valuations than average. Now, mainly this is focused on the tech side, think NVIDIA. And that's where most of the overvaluation is. But even if you strip out the tech side, quality businesses still have higher multiples compared to the lower quality names than they typically do. So they go from being super expensive to just modestly modestly expensive. But the lesson you should take from this is that don't focus too much on the cheapest companies. Just like you shouldn't focus on the companies with the highest dividend yields. You should focus on the quality of the business because at the end of the day, that's what you are investing in. You are investing in the business, not the stock. You are owning a piece of the business. And who doesn't want to own a piece of a good business? Everyone should. Now, in today's world, it's hard to find those at reasonable prices, especially if you're looking at just buying an ETF or an index. But there are opportunities to find fairly valued. They're not going to be the lowest PEs out there. In fact, you may pay 20, 25 times earnings, higher than the market. But that still can be a fair price. And the odds are good that that's going to be much better than buying that eh, business at a P ratio of 11, for example. I know this is InvestDoc, now with more than 57 million downloads, thanks to you. And we're almost ready to start the weekend. But for now, let's squeeze in another listener question from 88899chart.
4: Hello, Luke and Justin. This is William from Kentucky. Question about the market in general. So, Steve often reminds us that the market is forward-looking. So if you look from present day, I don't know if it normally is. I know there's not a specific amount of time, but you know, three, six months is baked in. For example, the Fed keeping rates, no more raises is baked in, and maybe a cut or two is already baked in. I don't know. But just your thoughts about that time period, that on average maybe, and also along with that, that's kind of where we are, and we may end up with a that recession on the horizon somewhere. That being said, I've got monies to invest next year, and I'm trying to look at an entry point in what sector – based on the probability there will be some sort of recession and what where I should be and what sector I should be looking to put my money. I'll listen uh, on the podcast for your answer. Thank you.
1: Well, I'm trying to distill what the real question is. I guess it's how should you get invested over the next three to six months? Or the market is forward-looking. And we'll discount. As expectations change, one of the reasons why you have a rally in the markets over the past month is the expectations were from a Fed potentially hiking between now and the end of the year to not hiking and maybe cutting at some time between now and the middle of part of next year. And that's the market discounting that change. That's why the dollar has fallen and you started to see a perk up in certain sectors that we think have good secular tailwinds. Now remember, there's cyclical trends or there's secular trends. Cyclical is, Hey, yes, we're slowly kind of marching towards probably a modest recession sometime next year. But secularly, there are broader trends that can kind of see through that shorter term cycle. Meaning how are economies evolving? We know the economy is likely evolving into more regional supply chains, less globalization, not completely ending globalization, but right more regionalization. And you're starting to see with a weaker dollar, which I do expect the dollar to continue to get weaker due to our fiscal situation, due to de-dollarization attempts around the world that are having – Modest impacts, but probably a bit overblown, but still having some impact. And so a weaker dollar is going to benefit certain sectors, industrials, hard assets, like basic materials and energy. And you're starting to see those parts of the market improve. Even consumer cyclicals, that's starting to improve as well because of weaker dollar means better or easing of financial conditions. That's why financial services are starting to do better as well. It's one of the best performing sectors over the past month. Real estate having a snapback because of interest rates dropping 75 basis points in month and a half on the 10-year. That's big. So while I do think you have a general uptrend through year-end, probably into sometime in the first quarter, volatility is going to happen. Almost every year, you get a 10% pullback in the markets. That's one thing everybody has to embed in their mind, that a 10% drawdown is nearly a given. Most years, you get a 10% drawdown in equities. For most people, they freak out. Right, the pullback from July into November, sentiment got pretty bad. But I said multiple times on air that this is a controlled, natural, normal pullback and not something to run for the hills yet. Still, people did, fortunately. So you're going to get something like that next year. And that's where maybe you lean into getting. Invested in a more aggressive way. In those secular trends. Alright, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here each and every weekday. And it's to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at eight 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 ninety nine chart.
3: Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments.
4: Hi, can I have your thought on buying the ETF for a long term investment? F I W. S-I-W. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, this a First Trust Water ETF. And this is mainly invested in U.S. stocks, 91%, 8.5% in non-U.S. stocks. And it's mainly spread across, let's call it five sectors. 52% is industrials. 52% industrial. So that's by far the largest. The next would be utilities, about 19%. Healthcare, 15.5%. Technology, 8.1. And then basic materials, 4.2. So those are the main five. So you're basically getting an industrial ETF with a smattering of other sectors. And this is my issue. If I look at the performance of this ETF versus XLI, for example, the industrial ETF, pure industrial, basically since growth stocks peaked, in late 2021 industrials have been outperforming and it makes sense because there's three other sectors in here healthcare, utilities and technology that have been underperforming since then so what i would say is i rather hash own industrials I think mean, there's secular tailwinds and it's not just in the water sector, it's across the industrial economy. So the recent performance is telling me that I think mean, you're getting a bit more a bit too caught up in water. You know, water is a great story. But that's not what you're investing in. You're that's not why you're investing. It's not why you should invest. It's not because of the story, it's because of what is going to work and what's been working are industrials and you're getting that half with this, but I just rather go by the industrial space in general. Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, let's talk about Argentina. We have a new president, Javier Mal- Malay, Mali? I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but he is promising to fix a lot of Argentina's economic problems that he thinks is rooted in a combination of government borrowing, lax monetary policy, and resulting in inflation. Now, a big reason why Argentina has had problems for many years is because the central bank is completely subordinate to the treasury. meaning the treasury is telling the central bank what to do. It's not independent. And this is what we call fiscal dominance. Now, One could argue that the Fed, which is said to be independent, is becoming less independent. That is working a little bit more hand in glove with the Treasury in order to keep our fiscal situation in line. For example... Fed wants to raise rates, battle inflation, and that certainly worked. And that's a good checkmark, right? That there's a level of independence there where the president's not telling the Fed what to do. But at the same time, the Treasury is doing things like adjusting their issuance of new debt in order to allow the Fed to do things like QT, right? Because the throughout this year, the treasury market was threatening many times to become disorderly, just like it did during the taper tantrum and the repo madness a couple of years ago. So the Fed could either stop QT or the Treasury could adjust their issuance and the Treasury's adjusting their issuance. So I can argue that we are going down this path. Now we're far away from where Argentina is and we have, ca- we have access to capital markets, but it's something to continue to watch and why I actually, another reason why I think we are entering this inflationary regime now, not Argentina type hundred plus. Inflation, like we saw in October, but elevated inflation due to uh, a Fed and Treasury that are a little too close, but by necessity due to our fiscal problems. All right. I want to touch on that. And I thank you all for tuning in. That completes another Invest Talk program. I'm Justin Klein. Stephen and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to check out our new Invest Talk sector spotlight series on the material sector over on our YouTube channel. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Enjoy your weekend.
0: Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program.